Yeah, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. Rock and roll, bro. Right on. How you doing? You're crustier than me. Look at your bed. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Yeah, this is my... I like uh, Zooms because like you can find out who the fuck people really are, you know? Yeah. If we, they're in an office, you're like dressed up in a tie and, you know... I try to wear a collar, even though like I know it doesn't help or mean anything. But, you know, I guess it gives me like a vague air of professionalism. That's cool. All right, let's knock this out. All right, man. Um, yeah. So 30 years uh, since Encino Man, have you have you done any other uh, 30th anniversary uh, interviews or, or promotions for it? Every second of my life this whole week, that's all people have been talking about. I mean, I even got a call from Johnny Depp's. He says, look, I know I'm on trial for all this shit, but dude, you got to make sure everyone knows that Encino Man is 30 years. No, um, no, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, it, all my movies, not just Encino Man, there's a soft spot for me. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed all of them and, and, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm happy that, you know, people also enjoy them based off of what it's like when I walk down the street or I'm at the airport or I'm on stage, you know, people love Stino man. So, you know, it's, uh, I guess you could call it a, um, what is life? Life is a, it's a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? Yeah. So, and a yeah, box of chocolates. So, the what? And a box of chocolates. So. And some chocolates. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so like this was, this was basically like your totally poly character slash persona, like as, uh, adapted into a movie character, uh, for this. It just kind of turned out that way. So I was hot on MTV at the time. Um, Disney was making the movie at the time. It wasn't written the way it was written at the time. Peter Paterno, who ran Hollywood Records, mentioned me to Jeffrey Katzenberg. They sat and watched Totally Polly. They brought me in. I got offered the role, and they told me to help rewrite one of the roles in the film that was previously written to my style. So I kind of, you know, originally, I don't remember what the character's name was, but it wasn't stony, that's for sure. So, yeah, I think I interwove my totally poly persona into this character and made him, I don't know, more real. And, you know, there's there was some drama in the film, obviously, with the third act where Sean's character is trying to get rid of the caveman. And there's this heart heartfelt scene on the road. And, and uh, um, so, yeah, it was. I think it was totally poly with heart, maybe, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, like when you when you read it, like when they were trying to write it for your style, like did you think that they came close at all, or or did you have to we work together? You know, it's a, okay. when you work on stuff. There's no ego. It's like we're all working together. You know, they wanted my help. I wanted their help. We're all, you know, Sean Sheps and George Zaloom and the director, and we all just. Threw everything in the ring, you know? So it wasn't, you know. Yeah. I mean, so this was this was kind of like a 
persona that you'd created for like stand up and MTV? Like, wh- like how much of you was in that, and how much of how much of it was like a separate personality that you sort of created for sixty nine percent? Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a it's kind of a blurred line, you know. Um, I grew up on the Sunset Strip. I grew up, you know, wearing my mom's clothes. You know, I grew up, you know, loving Steven Tyler and I grew up at the store and I grew up, you know, rock and roll. And that's kind of who I was. So I definitely wasn't Paul Rubens, you know, with Pee Wee Herman, where Mm -hmm. Paul Rubens is this guy and then Pee Wee Herman's is completely different. So it was very much kind of, you know, who who I who I am, you know, I'm uneducated. I never went to I never went to school. I didn't go to college. My college was MTV. Um, I knew as a, I, I, I knew as a young kid, um, I wanted to get into standup. Um, I love making people laugh. So I, uh, um, I, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, grabbed the mic at 17 years old and just started knocking out standup and trying to figure it out. And then five years later, I mean, it took me 80, 85, 86 is when I started standup. And then I hit on MTV, what, four or five years later. So it's about a five-year development thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And then once MTV hit, that timing was right, right on, and um, and I kind of developed it while I was on camera. Yeah, right. I mean, I've yeah. known some people that started stand up in their teens, and it kind of it, it seems like they are sort of treated as older than they are, and like you're sort of in a world with like adults a lot um, in a way, like, was it weird to, to having done that to go back to like playing a high school kid? No, because I was probably 21, 22. I mean, I don't know specifically when I did Encino man, the actual age, I'm sure you could figure it out, but I think 21, 22, 23, I think, yeah. Something like that. So, um, no, I mean, there was a lot of kids in Hollywood that were in their early 20s that played high school. It wasn't weird, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, like, when this was going on, like, the phenomenon of, like, Valley Speak and the Valley Girl and just, like, the the Valley as, like, cultural uh, center was sort of happening. Like, do, do you think that sort of influenced the persona I mean, you can say I'm a little bit Valley Girl, a little bit Jess Coley, a little bit Bill and Ted's, a little bit um, uh, Jim Morrison. I don't know. I mean, I'm we we all are influenced by, you know, people around us. So I was just a sponge, you know, um, but, you know, I'm I'm authentically Sunset Strip. You know, I've been there since I was born. So that was my um uh uh what's it called that was my um um, you know that was my sponge that was my uh what's it called my uh your petri dish i don't yeah i don't know you know what i mean that was what i saw so i you know we all are we all are products of our environment i was a product of you know you ask I was watching a Dave Grohl special recently where he talks about 
I don't want to say stealing that fucking drum beat from the, you know, from the mm. teen spirit with the disco beat, but that's what he pretty much said. So, you know, you just, as a kid, we're, we're all sponges. You know, I'm a little bit Sam Kennison. I'm a little bit Ben Tyler. And then also myself. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it, you know, the movie's, set in the valley and it's you know it's basically like about you know what if uh what if a caveman came back to life and became you know like a mall kid of the the late 80s or whatever like what like what was it about mall culture that uh that was every seemed like every comedy in that era was about like mall culture and and the San Fernando Valley well, let's let me answer the first question. So, to me, Encino Man was very much like the movie E.T., where E.T. is this kind of alien, and then there's these real characters around him. But the the, the alien had heart, and so we, we didn't treat the caveman like it was the caveman. We became our friend. So that's the first thing that I thought really made sense. And why I think the movie to this day and um, one of the elements of why the movie to this day people really like, because there's something to say, there's something to be said about treating everyone equal, you know, especially in this, this time and this time and age, you know, with the race stuff and the, and all that stuff. So that, that the human, the human quality that we treated the caveman was really important to me. And was really important to, I think, the producers to make it feel like E.T. kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. And then as far as the mall stuff, I mean, mall rats, mall this, mall that, you know, times. And and that was kind of our Amazon days, you know. I mean, um, you know, in the in the 80s and 90s, everyone went to the mall. You know, now I live in uh, I live in Vegas, but I go to L.A. a lot. And you look at the Beverly Center, it's just this in L.A., and it's just this big eyesore. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make sense to even go in there anymore. Yeah. You know, but back when I was growing up, the Beverly Center was awesome. You know, like, yo, let's meet at the Beverly Center. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's the food court and there's the shopping. and But no one shops at stores anymore. They order shit. Yeah. So it's just that's what it was. I mean, that was like a thing that people did, but I also feel like movies around that time, like this one and like, you know, Bill and Ted's and and some other movies of the time, it, it sort of feels like part of the joke is treating the mall culture as like the pinnacle of uh, Western civilization. Like it's, it's all been leading up to this, like, you know, um, and I feel like that is not a thing in comedy now like why why do you think there was something in that era where people like to look at themselves as like this is the this is like the high point of civilization or this is like the the end point it's all been leading up to this well, it's kind, kind of, of like tiktok you know it's mm -hmm. like tiktok now like all the cool kids are on tiktok so Back in the 80s and 90s, all the, the, the cool kids went to the mall. There's no real answer to it. It's just the way it was back then. It was, let's meet at the mall. And it was that way all, all across America. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. 
Do you feel like you had that experience at all? Or were you, I mean, was this growing up on the strip a different thing? No, I, I've been going to malls my whole life, you know? I mean, back when I was a kid, you know? I mean, that was, you know... I even did a movie called Phantom of the Mall, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where, we, where was we were in the mall? It was just... No, no, it's where all the kids went. Yeah. And at the time, you know, the kids, as you know, they run the world, you know, the younger generation. They're the one that are they're the ones that are buying everything. I mean, look at Kylie Jenner and all of the, you know, those the Kardashians, the younger ones are making more money than the older ones now. Mm -hmm. And it's because of their age. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this movie did a lot for you. I mean, you were already sort of uh, hot off MTV, but it seemed like it made brendan Fraser's career to a certain extent like what did you think of him at the time and what was it like uh working with him well the best comedy comes from comedians playing off of really good actors brendan Fraser is a really good actor and when he played the caveman he became the caveman. It wasn't like he was playing a caricature of it. You really felt like he was that guy. So that was one of the, I guess, genius parts of Brendan was the way he played that role. And it made my comedy better because he was so serious mm -hmm. and, um, and real. And, um, and that's what I adored about him. I mean, he gets uh, like he gets some sort of slapstick moments. Um, you know, I know. Yeah, but that's like, after he's locked into the character, right? After he's locked into like looking around and and smelling and and being you know kind of animalistic, and then once he starts to get more comfortable, then yeah, he becomes a little wackier. So he he felt you know he felt like a pro at the time. He didn't feel like he was you know a young actor he felt like he was sort of fully formed pretty much yeah he's a great actor i mean what what do you remember from the set of that like what was the shooting like of that movie um sean and i sean Aston and i were very different um he came from kind of a different world of acting than i did and again, I think that lent itself to um, us popping off of each other. So it wasn't like Bill and Ted's where it's like those two characters exactly the same. So I really liked that, that he was kind of very vanilla and very um, kind of rated G and very kind of conservative. And I liked the fact that I wasn't. And I think, again, comedically, that worked. It just worked. And I thought that's part of Jeffrey Katzenberg's uh, genius who ran the studio at the time to make sure that he casted the right people around me because I was the first cast in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and looking back on it, they wanted me to play the caveman. Oh, really? So the, yeah. So the way it worked was Jeffrey Katzenberg sent Encino Man to Peter Paterno. Peter Paterno ran Hollywood Records. Hollywood Records was a big record label that was owned by Disney. 
Peter often got scripts from Jeffrey and Peter said, I really like this script. And then Jeffrey is like, well, who can be in it? And then Peter says, Polly Shore. Jeffrey didn't know who I was because he was a studio guy. So Peter told Jeffrey to watch me on MTV because I was on MTV. Mm -hmm. And then Jeffrey calls up Peter and says, tell me more about Polly Shore. Jeffrey then calls my manager, Michael Rotenberg, and says, we want to meet Polly Shore about Encino Man. So Jeffrey, we meet, and I say, I'm not playing the caveman. I go, uh, the cavemans don't speak. I have a language. I have a style. I have, you know, a persona. And then, and then from there, he says, what do you want to do? I said, I want to rewrite the best friend with the writer and make me the best friend, the third lead. He says, go for it. So I worked with the writer, Sean Sheps and, and George Zaloom and the director. And I basically changed the best friend role that was originally written, which was kind of like two versions of Sean Astin, like two kind of like, you know what I mean? Those type of guys. Yeah. So then I put, so the timing was right. Cause I was hot off of MTV and my, my, my language and my persona and my style, I was able to interweave it into the script. So that's when I changed my name to Stoney. And I, uh, I, um, I, you know, changed the dialogue and the wheeze and the juice was never there before I was involved. Um, I, I assume, I mean, I like to get a hold of the first script, but I assume there might have been a slushy machine. Maybe it's like, hey, you know, get off of the slushy machine or I don't know what the fuck mm-hmm. they said. So all that stuff was kind of like premeditated, written into the script. And then from there, you know, once it's in there, then I, you know, I improvise and do all that yeah. and, you know, become the character of this guy, Stoney, who, you know, is, is, yeah, I want to use the caveman to make me cool. But then once I realize like, that's not cool, then like, you know, we get into this whole tug of war thing and, and, you know, and the family thing and all that stuff. So, right. So, I mean, I, do you think that the, the, this movie was pretty like successful? Do you think this was a big part of what led to, you know, uh like son-in-law and uh in the army now and like your other you know your your other like sort of series of movies where it felt like you were sort of um you know doing a similar persona for those yeah Uh yeah i mean you know it was um people always ask me like what was my favorite film and i say whatever film i was doing at the time because that particular film made sense for me to do it at that particular time in my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, off of MTV for my first film, I'm glad I didn't do son-in-law, you know, it kind of teed it up. Right. And what? then with the hair being known on son-in-law, then we shaved it for the army and that made sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you feel like you, became a victim of the popularity of the sort of persona that you'd created like towards, uh, you know, maybe towards like the later nineties or early two thousands. I mean, I don't think, I mean, it's true. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. It's like, you know, it's hard to sustain that. I was doing albums. I was doing HBO specials. 
I was doing MTV. I was starring in movies. I'm going like, I was touring. Shits are going to come crashing down, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and I had a good run and, um, it's, you know, fortunately for me, um, I was able to, um, realize that it was a run and that I saved my money and, um, you know, I stepped away and did other things and, um, and, uh, you know, here we are 30 year, 30 years later talking about a movie that maybe at the time the critics and um, people didn't appreciate. But as time goes on, everyone has realized pretty much all the movies I did were successful mm-hmm. and have made a lot of money for the studios based off of them licensing it. Yeah. I know Son-in-Law is the number one rated film on CMT all the time. I mean, it's... I mean, it's like crazy. All all of them are movies that I think people of my generation watched over and over to the point Mm -hmm. where like they're kind of just part of our cultural vernacular or whatever, like the lines and just stuff from that. So going back to creating that persona, I was reading uh, an article that was that where someone was interviewing you, I think it was like 91 or 92, you were 21 years old and they were doing the thing that they did in almost every article where they like have definitions of uh, the terms and the like slang that you've created for your show. And um, you said something like, they were asking you the same question that I was asking you, which whether which was like, you know, how much of this persona is you and how much of it is a, a stage persona and, you said something like, you know, the, 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 this way that I'm talking is, is going to go away and I'm still going to be around. Like you're like, you, you felt like you were basically predicting that you were going to get, uh, you know, trapped in that, in that persona to a certain extent, which seemed crazy for some, someone who was like 21 at the time. But, uh, it felt like you kind of knew what you were doing like that you were sort of creating this persona, but um, you were going to outlive the persona. Um, It's interesting because in our business, and I've said this a thousand times on a thousand interviews, and I'll say it again because I believe it. um, We work so hard to create our own kind of stamp in our own imprint and mm-hmm. style. And then we work so hard to get away from that own imprint and style. Yeah. It's like a double-edged sword. So that being said, time heals all wounds. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been gone for a while and people I feel are rooting for me because they know I never did anything um, harmful. I just did my, my acting and my movies and, and then people scratch their head and go, wait, these things were awesome. And they're like, fuck, where's Polly Shore. And then, you know, I go out on tour and I self shows out because people miss me and they love me and they remember those times. And, you know, when I'm in my autograph line, 
after my shows, people cry <laughs> more than once mm -hmm. because of you. I was able to say goodbye to my father because we used to watch Son-in-Law all the time. It was our movie. Because of you, I have a tattoo all over my leg. Because of the wheeze and the juice, I got a da-da-da because Leaning Tower of Chisa. I mean, it just goes down the line of all the stuff. And I pat myself on the back. I was, I was obviously very sensitive when I came crashing down and I'm very hurt by what people were saying. But like I said, time heals all wounds. And, and I pat myself on the back now a lot and say, Hey, you did all right. You know, you did all right. Yeah. I mean, I watch, we've watched all your movies with my, uh, like stepson. Uh, they're, they're great movies to watch with uh, your kids and I still enjoy yeah. them and, and they're yeah. funny to kids still. Um, and I just got off the phone with the producers of Biodome. Mm -hmm. So they're talking about a sequel for that. We're talking about a sequel for Encino Man over at Disney Plus. So joke is on the joke is on the critics. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When you say like it, like things hurt, you mean like like the Raz Razzies and things like that? Like what? I don't know. You know, you, you, you know, you want to be liked, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to go to high school and you want to be liked. So when you put stuff out, you want to be liked. And so, you know, I didn't care so much about the critics until I start, stop getting offered, getting offered big films. Um, and when that started happening, then I started believing it more. And I and that's when I did Pauly Shore is Dead, which to me is my best film. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it took me five years to make it. And it was awesome. Not only do I think it was the fun, one of the funniest films I did, it was also one of the darkest films I did. And it was before Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was before being John Malkovich. It was before this movie that Nicolas Cage just came out where he plays himself. Mm -hmm. I did it first. Yeah. We shot it on HD. The only people that were shooting HD at the time was me and George Lucas. Yeah. So if you research that, I shot that in 2000. And I was able to make fun of the fact that I, my career was fucked mm -hmm. through Polly Shore is Dead. And to me, Polly Shore is Dead is the beginning part of the second part of my career. So now when people talk shit about me, which believe it or not, isn't that often. Thank God. <laughs> um, I, 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 I see a lot of love is what I see an experience um it seems yeah. like there's enough distance now to understand that you sort of created that persona and uh and it was like a you know it was a smart persona that, that worked and was funny um but it seems like there's a process of pop culture where it's like we we want to binge on something so much that we like get nauseous on it and then, then we blame the thing it was kind of it seemed like people were like 
oh, we want the weasel. Like, give us more of that. And they just wanted to, they binged on it to the point that they're like, It okay. got old. It yeah. got old. It's and old, it, yeah. And they didn't, and, and, they couldn't separate the fact that you created that from, you know, the, yeah. the fact that it was just like, it was any joke that's funny at the time. Yeah. And then, and then also when, when, when stuff slowed down for me and I, I stopped getting the offers and, and, you know, and then Hollywood was not, was kind of distancing themselves from me because they didn't want to be involved with someone that was a punching bag, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I had two choices to make, you know, when things slow down, I could have patted myself on the back and be like, wow, man, you had an awesome run, like chill out for a couple of years, like go away. That's the, that that would have been the right thing to do, but the wrong thing to do, which is what I did, which was follow my heart. I fired everyone, not blaming them. I wasn't blaming them for my career. I fired everyone because I wanted to just be alone. I wanted to be alone and I wanted to start relating to people more. I was 30 when shit started slowing down. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to connect with America. So that's when I hit the road and my stand-up to me got better and more real. And it was more relatable because that was the guy that got spit out. And everyone has gotten spit out before. So immediately I related. I did an album called Hollywood, We've Got a Problem, which did really well for me. And, um, and I really learned how to make shit from scratch based off of the fact that I spit it, uh, the, the fact that I fired everyone. Now, the other option would have been don't fire everyone, chill the fuck out, relax, go to Bali, go surfing, and just chill and let the stock stay down. And, and eventually the stock will go up. And then, you know, I'll be like Howie Mandel or some shit where mm -hmm. I start hosting game shows and da 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 da. But my heart got in the way with my mind. You know, my heart told me to be left alone. But my mind, I should have listened to my mind, which was like, hey, but I didn't. But in return, looking back, I think I did make the right choice because I put myself by myself out in the world. I learned how to figure shit out by myself. So I started producing and directing and writing and starring in several, several projects, which made me a really good director and a really good writer and all that shit. And I possibly feel that if I didn't spit myself out to society with no representation, I don't know if I would have ever, I don't know if I would have ever learned all that shit. Mm -hmm. And now the internet came, I can make anything. Yeah. You know, I know to hire cameraman graphics. I know how to do all that. I know pacing. I know story. I know all that. I could do anything now. And I have the knowledge and the experience. And and and, and looking back, I, I feel I made the right move. You know, would I have loved to start in movies the last 20 years? Probably because I love acting. Mm -hmm. You know? I did a movie with uh, Adam Sandler. I don't know. It was uh, called Sandy. And Adam is a, an amazing person, actor, friend. And he asked me to do a small part in it. And I showed up and 
nothing but love from the crew. The grips, the craft service, the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, wardrobe. Like, oh, my God, Polly, how do you think? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I belong on a movie set. That's where my home is, you know, helping people make movies. Mm -hmm. You 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 think you're you're more at home there than doing stand? I mean, you've had a pretty consistent career in comedy for a long time, haven't you? I, I like I like doing movies better because it's harder and it's a bigger payoff. Right. Um. But why? I mean, why do you say? Why do you think that? Just because they they live in people's imagination more than like a you know a a live one night of a live show. I love acting with other actors on camera. Mm -hmm. You know, I love playing off them and I love locking into characters and I love, you know, that back and forth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like a tennis player. You know, he loves to just, you know? Yeah. And, uh, or a UFC fighter, like loving to scrap with his buddy in the gym. You know, I just, I love acting with good actors. Yeah. You know, it's my number one thing. Um, in the, in terms of like the way that you guys, uh, you know, wrote the, the movie where you took that, the best friend character and turned it into two people, um, like watching it now, um, like if you, if you were writing this today, do you think Sean care, Sean, uh, Sean Astin's character would, uh, still get the girl at the end? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I don't, I don't look at it that way. I think, you know, you just leave it alone. It's, it, it is what it is. And. Nowadays, I don't know. I mean, if, if we do Encino Man 2, um, let's see the script and let's see where it goes and we'll go from there. I'm sure it's, it'll, I'm sure it'll be similar. Yeah. You know? Uh, do, do you miss the days when, like, MTV was this sort of uh, cultural juggernaut, juggernaut that sort of, you know, influenced all of uh, youth culture? Well, I miss the days of old Hollywood meaning the simplicity of it. Now it's pretty much white noise. Mm -hmm. Everyone has got a podcast. Everyone has got a this. Everyone, you know what I mean? There's too many channels. There's too many. So, you know, I stay in my lane. I create my own stuff and I'm happy I got in when I got in. And I'm appreciative that I got in when I got in. And I'm glad I'm not trying to make it now in this fucking day and age. Yeah. But the upside to these days, unlike the old days, is that anyone can do it. And I think that's awesome. And, you know, uh, I can come up with an idea today and I don't have to pitch it to my agent and my manager and get funding and go to a studio and develop it for six months to a year. I can develop it and put it online right now. Will the marketing be as big? Absolutely not. But will I get out what I wanted to get out? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you, before I let you go, do you have any do you have any projects that you're working on that you're uh, excited about? Well, they keep circling with Biodome 2 and Encino Man 2, so we're talking about that. If you go on my website, there's a, a treatment and a, a film that I wrote with a friend called Stuck in the Hood. 
which is basically like kind of like uh, I'd say like son-in-law meets Fridays, you know, mm -hmm. and it's me with a whole bunch of black, black actors. Um, and it's a shot of water and it's my character saves the hood. And at the end, I bring the, the blacks and the whites together. Um, and it's like a, obviously a timely piece because of what's going on in the rate, the world of the race. But I think I'm the only kind of white comedic actor that could pull this off. Um, so I'm reaching out to all my, uh, black comedian, comedian friends, and I'm trying to get this thing produced and financed. And I think it's a really funny idea. And you can tell your fans and the people that, um, are listening to this, to go to, um, my website and read it. It's just called stuck in the hood. And other than that, I've been working on my one man show, which is called, uh, stick with the dancing stories of my childhood. It's all the, um, it's kind of like my version of Mike Tyson's undisputed truth, mm -hmm. right? Where it's all my stories of my childhood leading up to the guy before I made it, you know, to MTV. So it's all the shit around the store and all that stuff. So I've been doing that. I've been working that. And then a lot of stand up. And then I'm going away to uh, on vacation on Sunday uh, to Mexico for five days. I haven't been on vacation in a long time. And I'm going back and forth to LA and um, Vegas a lot right now. So, very cool. Well, yeah. I, I appreciate you giving me the time. Uh, you know, big fan of you, big fan of the movie. And uh, yeah. Oh, and thank you. And don't forget my band, The Krusties. So, I have a band. If you go to YouTube uh -huh. and you see my band, it's me and these old guys. It's awesome. Right on. So I, I, I do that too. And that's fun for me. Once again, it's just another avenue of me you know putting stuff out there that i that i enjoy yeah so very cool all right bud all right man. later take care bye bye